Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for your love, mercy, and grace, Lord. Go before us right now, Lord. And Lord, we just lift up our brother Pete, and Lord, that you would have your hand upon him, Lord. And all the brothers that might be hurting right now or going through something or sick, Lord, we just pray for healing in the body, Lord. All over the world, we lift up all our brothers and sisters out all over the world that are being persecuted right now. Another 81 uh, Christians were kidnapped, Lord. And uh, Father God, our brothers are falling right and left all over the world, Lord. The, the 21 Egyptians, Lord. Um, Lord, we just lift up these families, Lord. We lift up these people to you. Pastor Saheed, Lord, all these being persecuted right now because of their faith, Lord. And Lord, we just look to them, Lord, because those are true, true warriors of the faith, Lord, because they're not denying you, Lord. They're willing to die for the faith. Here we are in, in America, Lord, in, uh, in the spiritual Disneyland, Lord, and we're not confronted with death yet. But I know, Lord, one day it might come. And are we ready, Lord? Let us look to you, Lord. Let us look to the cross, Lord, because we know, Father, if it comes to that point and we have to die for the faith, you'll even give us the strength to do that, Lord, because, Lord, you are faithful, and you will never give us nothing, no, nothing that we couldn't handle, Lord. And, Father, you will go before us. You died on the cross for us, Lord, and you showed us the way, Lord. So, Father God, thank you. Thank you for these men here, Lord, and thank you for my, my spiritual family here, Lord. And, Lord, go before us, Lord. Let your word just go forth, Lord. We love you, Father God, and we give you all praise, honor, and glory. We ask for forgiveness of our sins, and we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, guys. Genesis chapter 15. The covenant. I'm going to read the chapter first, and then we'll, we'll hit it hard. After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abraham in a vision, saying, Do not be afraid, Abraham. I am your shield, your exceedingly great reward. But Abraham said, Lord God, what will you give me, seeing I go childish, childless, and the heir of my house is Eliezer of Damascus? Then Abraham said, Look, you have given me no offspring, indeed, one born in my house is my heir. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him, saying, This one shall not be your heir, but one will come from your own body shall be your heir. Then he brought him outside and said, Look now toward the heaven and count the stars if you are able to number them. And he said to him, So shall your descendants be. And he believed in the Lord, and he accounted to him for righteousness. Then he said to him, I am the Lord who brought you out of, out of Ur of the Chaldeans to give you this land to inherit it. And he said, Lord God, how shall I know that I will inherit it? So he said to him, bring me a three-year-old heifer, a three-year-old female goat, a three-year-old ram, a turtle dove, and a young pigeon. Then he brought all these to him and cut them in two, down the middle, and placed each piece opposite the other, but he did not cut the birds in two. And when the vultures came down on the carcasses, Abraham drove them away. 
And when the sun was going down, a deep sleep fell upon Abram. And behold, a horror and great darkness fell upon him. And he said to Abram, Know certainly that your descendants will be strangers in a land that is not theirs, and will serve them, and they will afflict them for 400 years. And also the nation whom they serve I will judge afterward. They shall come out with great possessions. Now as for you, you shall go to your fathers in peace. You shall be buried at a good old age. But in the fourth generation they shall return here, for the iniquity of the Amorites is not yet complete. And it came to pass, when the sun went down and it was dark, that behold, there appeared a smoking oven and a burning torch that passed between those pieces. On the same day, the Lord made a covenant with Abraham, saying, To your descendants I have given this land, from the river of, the e of Egypt to the great river, the river Euphrates, the Canaanites, Canisiites, the Catamonites, the Hittites, the, P the Perizzites, the Riphim, the Amorites, the Canaanites, the Gergishites, and the Jebusites. All right. Now we know in verse in, in in verse 14, Abraham just got through with a great victory. He went out and they had to go out and save his uh, his nephew Lot. And through that, he was blessed by Melchizedek, the king of Salem. And he and Melchizedek was a king priest. But we know Jesus, you know, he wasn't, he, he was maybe something like Jesus, but wasn't Jesus because Jesus was king, was a king, priest, prophet. That's what made Jesus uh, different from everybody else. And he gave him a tithe. I think that was one of the first times, first tithe that was given of, um, of, of, of some of the uh, spoils that he took out of the, out of the battle. And so after that, we go into uh, chapter 15, and it says, After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abraham in a vision. Now, we know this wasn't the first time the Lord appeared to Abraham. He had appeared to him the first time in, um, in chapter 12, verse 1, when he, uh, when he first uh, promised Abraham, all, uh, all, the, all the country that he was going to get. And he said in 12.1, he says, Now the Lord had said to Abraham, Get out of your country from, from your family and from your father's house to a land that I will show you, and I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great, and you shall be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and I will curse him who curses you. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So that was the first time God appeared to him. The second time was in uh, chapter 12, verse 7, when he said, And the Lord appeared to Abraham and said, To your descendants I will give this land. And there he built an altar to the Lord who had appeared to him. Now the third time was chapter 13, verse 14. And he said, and the Lord said to Abraham, after Lot had been separated from him, lift your eyes now and look from the place where you are, northward, southward, eastward, and westward, for all the land which you see I give to you and your descendants forever. So Abraham wasn't 
you know, it wasn't, he wasn't, um, let's say, he, he was familiar with God and, and uh, the presence of God. But in, uh, in this time, God, God came to Abraham in a vision. First of all, it said the word of the Lord came to Abraham in a vision. So I, I have to feel that when it says the word of the Lord, I, I have to feel that this is Jesus coming to him in a vision. And he's actually looking to him. God is talking to him face to face in this vision. Now, we, we know a dream is when you're sleeping. So he's more like in a trance. So God is coming to him, and God is, and Jesus is speaking to him. It's like a Christophany. It's when you see when Christ appears in the Old Testament, and it and it and it says God God reveals Himself in a vision to Abraham to reassure him of His promises. And we know God can't lie; the Word tells us that. And we know that uh, what God says will happen. But you know, here if God says it one time, it should be good enough. But He tells Abraham four times, so this. Abraham should just really be comfortable in this, but he really isn't because he's a man just like us. And we're always having doubts in there. We always doubt the word. And, and God always has to bring some kind of uh, reassurance to us or confirmation. You know, we, we hear God speak, and we go, oh, God, is that really you? And then, you know, down the road, somebody else will say something. We go, that's confirmation. God always brings confirmation to his word. And he reassures him of his promises to, to help Abraham not grow weary of what is to come. He comforts him by saying, do not be afraid. You know, most of all, most of the times in the Old Testament, anytime uh, God showed up, everybody was on their face. But he came to Abraham as a man, as man to man, saying, don't be afraid, Abraham. Give comforting him in this whole situation. Because Abraham is growing weary. I mean, He's done all this. He's getting old, and still he hasn't had any kids, you know. And you know, of course, his name is 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 means a father of many, father father of the multitudes. And he says, after he says, he says, "Do not be afraid. I am your shield." Now, how awesome is that? You know, I I think Abraham looked back at the battle that he was just in. And thinks about all the stuff that was going on, all the times he got out of some hairy situations, spears, everything flying, swords, you know, and he's going, and God's telling him, I'm your shield, tenderly, because he knows we are so weak and we are so unbelieving. And he, in Philippians 4, 4 to 7, it says, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. Let your gentleness be known to all men. The Lord is at hand. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be, be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts, minds, through Christ Jesus. That's what God is saying. He's saying, Abraham, relax. You know, he's got his arm around. He's taking him outside. Look at, you know, how beautiful that is. You know, I did all that, too. And... Um, just relax, because, you know, if you can count the stars up there, that's how many kids are going to come from you. And, and, and so in 6, it said, and he believed in the Lord, and he accounted it to him for righteousness. So God, so, so he believed God, 
for the promise he made. God counted to him for righteousness. But you know what? In John 20, 29, it says, Blessed are those who have not seen yet believe. God was talking to us, the church. You know, Abraham's seeing God. He's speaking to God. And, you know, he finally says, okay, God, I believe you. But look at us. Look at us. Have we seen God? We None of us have seen God. But we believe God is real. Realer than, than when we look in the mirror at our own faces. We know he's there. Because you know what? He's shown himself to us. Maybe we've never seen him physically. But we know that God is there through the things that he's taken us through. All the, all the situations we've been in and him just taking us by the hand and, and pulling us out of, the, out of the mud and picking us up because we're always making mistakes. And we have such a loving God that he's always there for us. And, um, and when I read that about John, it's just, it's just reassuring and comforting to me that, that he is there and he will always be there. In Romans 4, 1 to 5, it said, Says, what then shall we say that Abraham our father has found according to the flesh? For if Abraham was justified by works, he has something to boast about, but not before God. For what does the scripture say? Abraham believed God, and it was accounted to him for righteousness. Now to him who works, the wages are not counted as grace, but as a debt. But to him who does not work, but believes on him who justifies the ungodly, his faith is accounted for righteousness. Our faith is everything, guys. We're saved by grace through faith. And um, without faith, we have nothing. You know, I, I look at, um, at the atheists and all these, um, all these evolutionists, and I look at them, I go, man, you guys got a lot more faith than I do. Because to believe that there is no God is crazy because how did all this happen? And then with the evolutionists, to believe that everything came from a little piece of slime or we came from apes, so why aren't apes still walking out of the jungle as humans? I mean, it's simple stuff because, you know, like I said, I'm not the sharpest pencil in the bunch, but I can figure out these things. When you have godly wisdom, you have wisdom above all wisdom. All, all earthly wisdom, wisdom, manly wisdom. I work at Caltech. There's, you know, a lot of people walk around there thinking they're so smart. But, you know, you know, after, at the end of the day, who do you believe in? Who is your God? Because they all have gods. They can't tell me that even an atheist has a God. He probably drives one, drives his God, or goes home to his God, but everybody has a God. Everybody believes in something. And 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 I, it's good to know that I believe in the one that made this universe. And it was simple. He said it in Genesis. I believe the word of God. And that, <laughs> that you know, they might think I'm weak because I do that. They think it's a weakness because we believe we we have to believe in something. We have to believe in a savior. But you know, I I feel bad because God God wishes none perish without repentance. And we and I think about that, and I think about all these people dying right now. My wife's um, coworker is in the hospital right now. She has cancer, 
So she's going through chemo. And um, she works for a professor that, that does, you know, experiential for, with the genome. And, you know, they're so far from God, it's, it's just unreal, you know. And, uh, and now this, this woman, you know, she, she makes fun of people that carry Bibles and all that and all this. But, you know, my wife has a, she's in a position now where this woman could die, you know. And so my wife, you know, she's praying that, that God opens a door. That he she can he, she can speak to this woman because she loves her. She's a, she's a, she's her, she's worked for, worked with her for 15 years, and you know she knows her ways. But she feels you know bad for her because she's messed up. And so you know I just would like you guys out there to pray for my wife. And 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 just ask God to open a door for her, because she she would really feel bad if this this lady perished and and didn't ex didn't receive Jesus Christ. And um, her time is short. In Galatians 3, 6 to 9, it says, Just as Abraham believed God and it was counted to him for righteousness, therefore know that only those who are of the faith are sons of Abraham. And the scripture foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith preached the gospel to Abraham beforehand, saying, And you, all the nations, shall be blessed. So then those who are of the faith are blessed believing in Abraham. It's just amazing that through our faith that we, we, we can believe in a God that's so real and just know he's real. It just, it just blows me away, you know, and he's so loving. Verses 7 to 11, 7 through 11. It says, then he said to him, I am the Lord who brought you out of, out of Ur of the Chaldeans to give you this land to inherit. And he said, Lord God, how shall I know that I will inherit it? Once again, he's questioning God. So he said to him, bring me a three-year-old heifer, a three-year-old female goat, a three-year-old ram, a turtle dove, and a young pigeon. Then he brought out all these things to him and cut them in two down the middle and placed each piece opposite the other. But he did not cut the birds in two. And when the vultures came down on the carcass, Abraham drove them away. It seems like Abraham is questioning God's word. But God doesn't rebuke him, knowing that he is a man and falls short. And he knows that he needs reassurance and some tangible proof that God will do what he says. You know, and Abraham wasn't the only one that questioned God. Remember in Judges... Um, 6, 36 to 40, when Gideon questioned God about the fleece, when he was ready to go in and fight the Midianites, he didn't do it just once. He did it twice. See, first time he asked the God to just have water on the fleece only and all the ground dry, so God did as he said. And then the second time, the, the whole ground was wet, but the fleece was dry. And that's how God works. You know, God, you know, <laughs> He confirms everything to us. He's there. He's always there. He's, he knows that he can't lie, and he knows who he is. But we have a hard time sometimes believing who we are, and, 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 and we're always doubting. But uh, once again, God comes through for him. In Psalm 138.2, it says, I will worship toward your holy temple 
and praise your name for your loving kindness and your truth. For you have magnified your word above all your names. God honors his word above his name. That's why we know God is, is truthful. You know, he's not going to lie to us. You know, in those days when two men made a contract, they would prepare a sacrifice in this manner. The party of the first part joined hands with the party of the second part. And they would state their contract, then walk through the sacrifice. This, was to be, this would be about the same as, as us going to a courthouse and signing in front of a notary. This is how they did things in this days. That's why God had Abraham do all this stuff, you know, because that, he understood that. They were making a contract. God says, okay, let's, let's, let's get real about this, what I've, prayed, what I've uh, promised you. We'll get real. We're going to sign a contract. But uh, so Abraham gets it. He's, he's, um, he's, he's obedient. He gets everything ready as God has instructed him. And as you can imagine, it's, it's a bloody mess out there. There's wild animals everywhere, and they're trying to get an easy meal. So he's, he keeps guard over, and he's over there fighting the animals off. Okay, come on, Lord. I mean, this is getting really rough. Because he says, and when the vultures come down on the carcasses, Abraham drove them away. So you could imagine what a, what a mess that was down there. Just, just, you know, when you think about the, the sacrifices they made for Passover and stuff, how much blood and stuff was around. I remember um, this one young lady at work just became a new Christian, and she was reading through the Bible. Of course, she, you know, she comes from the background of tree hugger and animals are great and everything else like that. And um, so when she, she was reading through these parts about the sacrifices and all the animals that were killed, she was like terrified. She goes, I don't know how, how did God, you know, and, and it's the way we look at it. You know, of course, we're not to go out and abuse animals. That's of course not. But it, this was the way. See, remember, who took the place of all this? You know, that's why I don't do it no more. You know, it's, 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 you know, people just sometimes have a hard time with God. But, you know, I, I don't know, maybe just I'm simple-minded because I read the word and I believe the word. And if God said it happened or if God does this, then I have to believe it's the right thing to do. Because God wouldn't tell us to do the wrong thing. He always has our best interests in mind. He always takes care of business. And so I, I got I to know that God is faithful in what he does. And so Abraham's out there shooing everything off. And then in, um, in 12, 12 to 16, he says, Now when the sun was going down, a deep sleep fell upon Abraham. And behold, horror and great darkness fell upon him. Then he said, Abraham, know certainly that your descendants will be strangers in a land that is not theirs and will serve them and they will afflict them 400 years. Now he's talking about the future. He's talking about, you know, once, um, once, you know, once, you know, he gets, he gets his land, he starts to go out. Once he, um, he's talking about Joseph and, and the Egyptians and being uh, in bondage for 400 years in Egypt. And, um, God's telling him about the dark time that's going to happen to your descendants. And this is what's going to happen in the future to your, to your descendants, Abraham. 
But Abraham, but he says, and also the nation whom whom they serve, I will judge afterwards, and they shall come up with come out with great possessions. And he says. got ahead of my um, my notes but while they're making this contract and um, and uh, God puts Abraham in a, in a in a deep sleep you know God God puts Abraham into a paralyzing sleep that sets and then sets him aside now we're, he's making a contract with Abraham and it takes two to make a contract but this is a unusual contract because this, this, because God is making the promise and he doesn't expect Abraham to keep it because he knows how we are. You know, he knows that if, if he was, if we were to vow to do something, he knows that we will break that vow. He knows that we will mess up the contract up. So God is making the contract with himself, basically, for Abraham because he's telling him about a future that's going to happen about a, a group of people that are going to come from him. And then he's talking about the future Messiah. He's talking about everything in this, little co in this, in this uh, contract or this covenant he's making with Abraham. And, God, and God w all God wants Abraham to do is believe his word, and he did. God is God, God's sovereignty to make a contract where he is the only party obligated to keep it. This is, a, this is exactly what happened, guys, that took place 2,000 years ago when God the Father sent God the Son to the earth to die for the sins of the world. See, Jesus came to us, and, and it was God making a covenant with us through his Son, through the blood of, of Jesus Christ. It says, if you, in Romans 10, 9, if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. That's, that's the same thing God's doing with Abraham right here. He, just as Jesus came 2,000 years ago to die for us, God made that, that one-way promise to Abraham. You know, it says in Romans 5.8, but God, God demonstrates his own love towards us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. You know, that's so awesome, you know, because I, when I like I the, when I began to study, when I think about all the times, all the things I was doing before I was saved, Jesus died for my sins already. Jesus already paid the price. He already put in the deposit. And it took me 40 years to take a withdrawal of that deposit he made. And God was watching over me all those 40 years. And I, I, I'm just blown away. And this is the same thing he did with Abraham and, and with the Hebrew people. He knows that they had to go to Egypt to multiply, to get larger and larger. He knew what, what, what had to happen before he can actually give them the land that he promised them. And, um, and so his plan goes on and on. God has a plan for all of us. And all we have to do is look to him. And be obedient to what the plan he has for us. I know when the when the guys go street witnessing, 
they always tell the person when they're approaching, they, they tell them, you know, do you know who God is? He has a, pr- he has a, he has a, a plan for your life. And, um, you know, some people, most people just go, oh, whatever. But some people stop, and they want to know what the plan is. And then those are the people that open their hearts to Christ. You know, if we're, if, if we're faithful enough to God, God's going to show a plan in our lives. He's going to show you what, what he, he, he wants you to do if you are willing. Because he doesn't force you to do anything. God wants willing, willing servants. That's why, you know, that's why they put their ear to the post, those servants that wanted to stay in their master's houses. And they put that, that earring on because he was a willing servant. He wasn't one that was forced. That's what we are. That's every guy in this room. We're willing servants. And we're willing to serve God no matter what. Now, when I see people dying because they will not denounce Jesus Christ in their life, you know, I think about are we willing to do that? Are we willing to go that far? You know, it's, uh, it's pretty heavy when you think about all those people. You know, how, how Christians are being attacked nowadays and, and, how, um, and how they're going down. And, you know, Jesus did that for us. He died on the cross for us. Are we willing to die for him? You know, that's the question. That's what all of us got to question ourselves. Are we willing to die for Jesus? You know, because God sent God to die for us. In verses 13 and 14, it says, Then he said to Abraham, Know certainly that your descendants will be strangers in a land that is not theirs, and they will serve them, and they will afflict them for 400 years. And as we know, that that was the darkness spoke about Egypt. And then 15 tells him, Now as for you, you shall go to your fathers in peace, and you shall be buried at a good old age. I know he went like this. Thanks, God. I mean, he goes, oh, man, for 400 years, it's going to be pretty bad for those guys. But, you know, once again, God assures Abraham he will go to the grave in peace after a good long life. And in 16, he says, but in the fourth generation, they shall return here for the iniquity of the Amorites is not yet complete. Now, I was wondering, man, what God, what are you talking about here, you know? He, the, uh, the Amorites are mentioned here of all, all the, some of the people that they take out, but he's talking about 400 years later. The Amorites, through God's sovereignty, were gave God gave favor to the Amorites and gave 400 years for them to repent. That's what he's talking about here. And they did not, so he judged them. In Joshua 10, that's when Joshua kills all the Amorite kings and puts them in a, in a cave and, and seals the cave. You know, and... Uh, you know, God gives all of us time. You know, I was I was fortunate that God gave me 40 years because in that time there was a lot of things that happened like we talked about. And because uh, he's sovereign, because he gives He gives grace to whom he wants, um, he allowed me time. So, But his word tells us, you know, seek God while he's near. Don't play around with your salvation. If there's anybody here that's not saved, I would strongly think about it because you're around a group of brothers right now that will pray for you and you can accept Christ today. But I wouldn't wait till tomorrow because tomorrow's promised to no one. 
And, um, and, and you know, a lot of people go, oh, he died so young, or how can a, a loving God allow this and allow that? God's already told us. He's warned us. Tomorrow's promise to no one. You know, if you hear the word of God, that's for you. You need to open your heart and receive Jesus. Now, like I said, he doesn't force himself on anybody, so it, that's up to you. But you can't stand before him after this 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 uh, study tonight if you were to die tomorrow or die tonight in your sleep and if you haven't received Jesus Christ, you can't stand before him and say, I didn't know. Because you are accountable now. I remember when I was doing a CPR class and after the class they gave us the certification and they said, now you're accountable. You know, if somebody drops before you and and you you uh, say tell so and you don't perform CPR on him, then you've done it wrong. You're accountable. God, God makes us accountable. I'm accountable every day to what I say, what I do at work, and um, and what I do when I'm driving my car. And a lot of times I have to repent. Probably had to repent on the way there over here today. But um, we all have our weaknesses, huh? I have a whole bunch. But God is good. And God, God, Jesus stands in the gap. We have, a, we have somebody to intercede for us. And that's what God does for these people. God does for us. So if you don't know Christ, after the study, come up and let us pray for you. Receive him today because tomorrow you might not be here. In verses 17 to 21, it says, And it came to pass, when the sun went down and it was dark, that, behold, there appeared a smoking oven and a burning torch that passed between those pieces. And on the same day, the Lord made a covenant with Abraham, saying, To your descendants I have given this land, from the river of Egypt to the great river, the river Euphrates, the Canaanites, the Kinesiites, the Catamonites, the Hittites, the Pisiites, the Riphim, the Amorites, the Canaanites, the Girgishites, and the Jebusites. God has given all that land, but of course we know it's going to be 400 years before they actually go into the land. And Moses won't be taking them in. It would be Joshua. So God marked out the land for Abraham. And as they, were, as, as they went into that land 400 years later and started wiping out all these people, the only person that truly that was saved out of all these lands, all these people, was Rahab, the harlot. She was the only one that believed. All the rest of the people were wiped out. Now let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Father God, thank you for this time, Lord. Thank you for this study. Lord, thank you for my brothers here, Lord, and go before them today, Lord. As they go home, give us traveling mercies, Lord. Give us wisdom on what we need to do tomorrow and tonight, Lord, as we go home. And Lord, uh, let us be living examples to those around us here at work, wherever we are, Lord, that Jesus is coming, Lord. Let us, let us go out and preach the word boldly. And, Lord, that we don't fear man, but we fear you only, Lord. And, Father God, we just thank you, Lord. We lift up, I lift up all, all our families, Lord. 
our wives, our children, our grandchildren, Lord, our brothers and sisters, our mothers and fathers, Lord. I lift them up to you, Lord, and just give thanks, Lord, that we can be those examples to those around us, Lord. So let us preach your word boldly, Lord, and Lord, let us not be afraid because we know that you are our shield and you will comfort us. And Lord, I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.